0: Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that's already nervous slash excited about a game that's still 48 hours away. That game of course is liverpool league City at Anfield and a chance for the Blues to go 10 points clear of those pesky, um mentality monsters with a game in hand. Some City fans are calling this one a free hit. It's not. It's a fixture that could potentially define the legacies of each side. For a game of such magnitude, then, we decided not to play games today, not to mess about. And so we've drafted in guests so assured and reliable, they make Stones and Diaz look like the Chuckle Brothers. It's Aysan, Ali, and Harry. Hi, Asan. you well, Ma? Very good, mate. How are you? I'm good, yeah, yeah, I'm very good indeed. Bit nervous about Sunday. Are you feeling confident
1: or pessimistic? Um, confident? I mean, you know, like, it's Liverpool, so. Yeah. It it, yeah. it comes with it comes with a myriad of caveats. But <laughs> yes. if I look at our own team, then you know I feel relatively confident going into any fixture right now. Good, yeah, I like the sound of that. Um, Ali, are you well? I'm very
2: well, thanks. Yeah, chuckle brother too checking in.
0: <laughs> does that mean me ga- to you? Does that make you, Gary <laughs> or Phil? <laughs> uh, How is Manchester this
2: morning? It, it, it's all uh, bright and sunny right now. There's some grey clouds lurking around, but uh, actual positive uh, brightness and and uh, what, what do you call it? A, a vague uh, air of optimism in the air. Oh, it?
0: Lovely. Well, to be honest, I only asked you so I could hear you say grey clouds, which is <laughs> sounds lovely from your mouth. Harry, uh, how, you, how are you, pal? Are you okay?
3: Yes, mate. Pleasure to be on as always. Lovely, lovely. Good to have you on. How are you feeling about Sunday? weirdly confident I don't know if that's scary <laughs> um,
0: weirdly
3: it's confident probably been the mo- it's probably the most confident I've been going to Anfield in a long long time and bearing in mind like the last time we won there I was three years old so <laughs>
0: <laughs> well Harry I'm gonna stay with you for the opening question um It wasn't on the agenda, I just thought of it earlier, so apologies for that, but when City won the league in 2018, they lost their best defender for most of the following campaign. They needed 14 straight wins to attain that title. They won all 14. They also won the FA Cup, League Cup and Community Shield into the bargain. When Liverpool won their league, they promptly got battered 7-2, lost to Burnley and Brighton at home, and all while whinging remorselessly about a few injuries. So, Harry, who exactly are the mentality monsters? Oh God, that is a question. That's a that's a very leading question. I'll grant you. <laughs>
3: um, I think it all just kind of comes back to, to just giving our lads a lot of credit um, for from where we were at the start of the season and how everyone kind of wrote us off. And I don't think it's I think it's only been the last couple of games where everyone has been kind of seeing us as firm favourites. Everyone wrote us off at the start of the season, and, and I think it's just a massive credit to Pep in particular yeah. um, uh, and the lads who have come in that have kind of, kind of rejuvenated the squad uh, and, and got us back on track. And they've put us from, from what seemed like a going to be another kind of dull season to put us in a magnificent position to, to build some sort of lead over these next couple of couple of games. Well, that was a diplomatic answer. That. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, I've got a lot of Liverpool fan mates. I've been Slagged off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I'm hey, looking ahead to this Sunday, uh, there's an immense value in either side not losing this one, particularly City. I'm in a draw. Let's face it, we'd all take it right now. With that in mind, can you see Pep going a little bit conservative with his setup, uh, much like he did two years ago with that nil-nil and Bernardo sitting in very deep and kind of him, him alongside Fernandinho? Um,
1: maybe. I think I'd be a little bit surprised if he did that because if you look at the manner in which we tend to plan for games, I don't think that Guardiola, um, I don't think he plans for reputations. I think he he's very practical and he'll plan literally for the team, the opposition, what their strengths and weaknesses are. They will have analysed Liverpool's last three, four, five games. yeah. And I would hope that if they've analysed Liverpool's last three, four, five games, that there will be a sense that, Sunday presents an opportunity to go to Anfield and win, Um, and I think, you know, the other side of that is that I don't think that Pep is the kind of guy, whoever approaches a game with the idea of I'll take a point, maybe with the exception of Champions League away games in the knockout stages where maybe he might be prepared to, to take a draw, but I don't know, it's, it's, it's a difficult one for me to call because my personal feeling right now is if you compare the form of the two teams it's like night and day and in the same manner in which Liverpool have enjoyed attacking us at times in the last two or three years I would kind of hope that our lot will be looking at Liverpool right now and going, let's have a go on something Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, my feelings exactly um, well, Ali, I mean, it has to be said that Pep has been guilty of overthinking his team selections, particularly in big games in the past. Um, will he do so again here or would it be a case, as, as Aysan said, he's going to look at this Liverpool team and think, well, this actually is a really good chance for us to, to go for it. Or conversely, would Pep be right to kind of, you know, overthink things and, and kind of adapt to the opposition? Because this is still Anfield. This is still Liverpool at Anfield. It's a huge game and, and Pep uh, I mean okay, the the
2: one thing we have learned about Pep is to expect the unexpected. Yeah. Um whatever you know, the, the three, four of us uh, might predict you can almost guarantee Pep is gonna pull some kind of rabbit out of that. Um my thinking about how he should approach it, um my guess is if uh, City can prevent Liverpool from scoring we will get goals against those center the players yes. that are playing at, yeah. at the middle of their defense at the moment. Um, they they just can't. They have got no way of keeping a clean sheet or no way of, of guaranteeing keeping a clean sheet against us. Um, so if we can show up at the back, uh, our chances of winning the game are really quite high. Um, and I think Pep will probably have that in mind. Um, I've changed my kind of guesses my predictions as to what the team would look like after uh, the Burnley game on Wednesday. Because uh, I think the, the playing the three centre-backs, particularly in that kind of formation, uh, that was the rabbit out the hat, if you like. Um, and I can't imagine why he would have done that on Wednesday. Was it Tuesday? Wednesday, whenever it was. <laughs> All the days bleed together now, don't they? I was like, uh, midweek. Um, I don't believe he would have done that unless it had been with half an eye on, on the Liverpool game. Uh, so I'm kind of looking at what happened against Burnley my best guess would be he will go for three at the back and probably with Cancelo and Zinchenko uh, so it's a bit more balanced uh, as a kind of classic three at the back and two wing backs rather than that kind of weird three at the back and one wing back which we played uh, midweek so that will be quite defensive uh, but when you've got wing backs as we are playing at the moment with As I suspect Cancelo and Zinchenko, it's not like a five at the back. Um, It's more like having another two number eights or another couple of number tens at times uh, in there. So so I think it will go that way. Um, I think it will be tight. I really hope it's not another game like the uh, Manchester Derby or uh, United-Liverpool the other week um, that just... Peter's out to nothing and so many of the games between the big teams this season have been disappointing. Uh I wouldn't be overly surprised if that happens again and you know, it, it's a kind of chess match that finishes nil nil or one nil, hopefully to us. Um but I think that's more likely than any of the alternatives, to be honest, just because
0: of the stakes and, and because of the way the teams have been playing each other this year. Okay. Um, how do you kind of go along with that? Can you see three at the back? I can I can certainly see Laporte starting. Um, yeah. And, and it's worth remembering, of course, that Laporte had an absolute stormer at left-back like, yeah. two years ago against Liverpool. So yes. That's a factor. Um, how do you see the kind of defence setting up then?
3: Um, I do f- probably agree he's probably going to go a bit more pragmatic. Um, we were a lot... I don't know what you felt about the game the other day, but I felt like we were a lot slower. And I think... You know, they talk about Klopp's heavy metal football, whatever that means, I've got no <laughs> clue. But I think a faster-paced game would suit Liverpool a lot more, especially the farm they're on, just having the ability for the front three to kind of express themselves. So I think Pet will want to kind of dictate possession, um, keep Liverpool's front three quiet uh, and just control the possession and kind of pass it about Liverpool and knacker them out and then obviously leave it to the, to the lads up front to, um, to score the goals. But the defence, it's a hard one to call because I've been... Kind of tossing and turning with it because we've seen in the past how Pep's very fearful of, of the Liverpool's front three and why shouldn't you be? So I don't know if this is a game where he could bring Carl Walker back in mm. um as just kind of a traditional back four, but then does he trust Zinchenko on the other side with the defensive? I mean he's he's been in brilliant form, Zinchenko, so I've got kind of got no reason to doubt him at the moment. Um whether he brings Walker back in there with Laporte left. I think I think Ali was right, I think Laporte left back in midweek was, was kind of a, a preview of this game. Whether Cancelo stays in and they kind of move over and make it a traditional back three, I don't know. I think he'll still st- stick with a back four. I don't think he'll change it too much because it's working. Um, And I, I hope I hope he keeps Cancelo in for a bit more creativity, but something in my head kind of thinks that he might bring Walker in just to deal with Salah or Mane, whoever's going to be on that side a bit more. Okay. Oh,
0: well, well, we'll get to kind of midfield shortly, but... um. You mentioned that the front three there and how how fearful Pep was rightly of them, especially considering what they've done in the past. They've scored, uh, I think, it's eleven goals against us in the past kind of four seasons for three of them. Um, Asan, they've been you know, those front three have blown City away. Let's face it, in recent years, particularly on three occasions. Do they still present a formidable threat? Or now with a partnership of Stones and Diaz, are you significantly more confident that we
1: can quiet them? Um. I mean, you know, I, I I feel as though the games that you that you reference, mm. um, we to some extent shot ourselves in the foot yeah, ourselves. Definitely. Yeah. Um. So uh, as good as Liverpool's front three are, I'm not sure that you can go. You know, I'm not. There's a fine line, isn't there? Because yes, obviously, they're very talented. And yes, obviously, over the last two years, they've been almost unplayable at times. But at the same time, they look like the arse has gone out on them. They look like City's attacked it a year ago. Um, they look pretty anemic. Uh, I think Mane obviously didn't play in midweek and hadn't trained on Wednesday. So it will be interesting to see in the press conferences whether he's trained and whether he'll be fit. Um, but certainly... If you say to me now, Mane doesn't play, that it's Salah, Firmino and Shaqiri or whatever, however they decide to to rotate that, for me that changes the complexion of almost how you approach the entire game because I think without Mane, yes, um, agreed. they don't have the... So, you know, I think he's been key to their transitions and I think that the reality is that they're a team who excel in transitions. Uh So I think that if you take Mane out of that side, you don't have to be quite as fearful of the transition. I think if you look, then you go back and you look at our two centre-halves and how they've performed um in recent weeks. Personally, I feel very comfortable with Diaz defending one-on-one against Salah or defending one-on-one against uh, Firmino. Uh, the same with Stones. So that's not... Uh, a massive issue for me. And I slightly disagree with, you know, I guess anybody that's heard my performance on the pod the other day knows that I don't think Laporte will play on Sunday and I don't think it'll be a back four, a back three. And I just don't see what there is to be gained from sort of taking a step back when Liverpool are in the sort of form that they're in. And now, obviously I might change my mind if, Fabinho, Mane, all of them are suddenly fit on Sunday and they're all starting. But as it stands now, I would expect that one of the injured three, the key three are Fabinho, Allison, and, and Mane. I would expect one of those to, to not be available on Sunday. If that one is Mane, I think our job becomes a lot more straightforward in terms of both how we attack and how we defend and how we handle their transitions.
0: I think that's a very good shout. I think of uh, the front three, um, Salah is, you know, the individual flair. And um, Firmino is, you know, the team player. And, and you're absolutely right. Mane is like the explosive element of that front three. And that is the element that we've really struggled against uh, in recent seasons. The, the fact that they can absolutely blow us away. Um, so take him out of the team and they are significantly weakened, I think. Yeah. So I'll go along with that. Um Ali, Traditionally, big games are won and lost in midfield. Um, Fernandinho or Rodri for you, or both? Uh, ooh, I, th- this is actually the, the
2: hardest, uh, the, the, the yeah. decision that I find hardest to call of all of it. Um, I think on balance I would go for Fernandinho, um, just for his uh, energy and, and the, the kind of uh, spirit and verve that he brings to the midfield when he does play and, and just the, the dynamism. That he always used to bring with him. Um, I think maybe it um, will go for Rodri just because he is so good at holding the ball when he's pressed. Um, and if you if if Liverpool particularly their, if their front three are doing their gig and press routine, um, I would rather have Rodri there. Can uh, kind of just as a like huge big solid wall of, yeah. of impenetrable Spaniard. Um, <laughs> uh, cause, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cause that's what he's great at. And I mean, I'm a Rodri fan. I've always been team Rodri and, and I've never, uh, I, I, I've never wavered in that. Um, so I, I would be quite happy with either of them. Uh, just got a, a tilt towards Fernandinho. Um, but again, that that possibly depends not only on on Liverpool's availability that we were just talking about, but also whether or not it's uh, two or three at the back and how many wing backs have gotten and, and all of those kind of things because it's all part of the same jigsaw. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt Liverpool are at their most dangerous when they are pressing high, um, and I think all of uh, you know how we how we set up the the. Back five or or back six of our team uh, will largely depend on how we plan to deal with that. So I think the the Rodri and Fernandinho equation changes slightly depending how many centre backs we've got behind them.
0: Yeah, um, but to be perfectly honest, I'd be happy with either. Well, I, I think I saw Impenetrable Spaniard play the dog and duck in '97. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Harry, looking at the attack, uh, who would be your front three? Who would be your preferred? N- never mind, kind of who you think Pep will go for personally. Who would be your preferred front three?
3: Um, I'd love him to go with a striker, but I don't think he will. Uh, I think Sterling is the, probably the only guarantee. Yeah, I hope Foden can come back in. Um, he'll be a bit of a creative spark, and I would I'd go with Gabi. I mean, he's he's been scored. scoring scored in the last three. He's played and he's on decent form. He's not been incredible, but he's scoring goals. And if he gets in the areas that he's been getting in the last couple of weeks, there'll definitely be chances for him in and around that box. Whether Pep goes for that, I don't think so. I think he'll, I think he'll stick with stick with Maris uh, and he'll play kind of a false nine with all three of them rotating off each other. Uh, but each option, each option we've got is decent. Of course, they're not firing uh, as much as they have been in previous seasons, but but they're still scoring goals and with the defence behind them, they're going to have the ability to to express themselves going forward.
0: Yeah. Um a key element this weekend of course I mean we're talking about possibility of Mane or kind of Fabinho being absent but no crowd there is such a huge factor in comparison to previous seasons. Um how much of a role has did the uh, Anfield crowd play in previous losses uh, and how much of a factor is their absence this time?
1: None fuck them. Next question.
0: <laughs> okay. So Ali, <laughs> you, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not expecting any kind of eulogies here, but I mean, it's surely a factor. Not uh, yeah. them. <laughs> are,
2: are, are you still talking, You're talking to me. Uh, yeah. the, uh, whether we like it or not, that Anfield crowd has always been a factor. Um, <laughs> it can work. It can work both ways. <laughs> 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 I, don't, I don't know where we're all laughing at now. Um, uh, the, the You only have to look at Liverpool's performances at home this year and and ask yourself what's the difference between this year and the last four years. Uh, And there is one whopping difference and it's the absence of a crowd. And there has been a massive difference in their rate of return at Anfield this year, even before they started losing games. They've now done two in a row. Um, They weren't looking... Uh, It wasn't Fortress Anfield. It hasn't been Fortress Anfield all year. They've been looking like they've been on the verge of losing a game, not just dropping points, but losing a game ever since the start of the season, Mm. uh, since way back in in September. Um, And the only surprise, I think, is it it took until the end of January, beginning of February, before they did actually start losing games there. Um, And and I saw an incredible statistic. It's not just Anfield. Um, Apparently, Mm. um, as things are with Premier League, there have been more away victories than home victories across yeah. the league mm. this year. Um so like the the whole business of home advantage has just gone uh, and that's not just Liverpool it's everywhere but obviously I think it it's applying uh, it, it's a bigger factor in Liverpool than it is in some other clubs. Uh, you can look at West Ham for example where I think it's gone the other way. They've had a huge advantage of not having their fans. there. <laughs> yeah. Um Everton uh, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, and and there's something about some and yeah, probably you could probably say Leeds United would probably be doing a lot better if they did the Elland Road crowd there, and Sheffield United certainly would too. Um, all those Yorkshire types, uh, they get their <laughs> get behind their get behind their teams. Uh, so yeah, the, we we can't pretend that the the absence of a crowd hasn't affected everything this year, and of course it'll affect the game on Sunday just just the same as every other game.
1: Well, how do you see that game panning out, Azam? Um. Can I just go back one step, just very yeah. quickly, uh, just to to pick up on what Ali said about um, the big difference for Liverpool this season being them not having a crowd. Um, I'm not, I just, I'm just not sure I agree with that. I think that they're a different team this season. They're they're not as effective, anywhere near as effective, uh, or as ruthless, or as efficient as they have been over the last two or three years. And I'm not entirely convinced that uh, you can just put that down to there being no crowd. Uh, Anfield. Um, I also think that, you know, a little bit, if you look at City when they've gone there, I think, what, was it two years ago when Mares misses the penalty in the last. I don't oh, or, some, <laughs> or something like that was two years ago. I mean, I'm just, I feel as though we, and when I say we, I mean the the royal, we like the world, we're conditioned by what the media tell us. And the media have been telling us since the Copperberg bottles, right? That somehow Liverpool, the crowd and Anfield is like this awful place where nobody can go and play football and for me i'm just like well if that was really the case then how come they've lost so many like you know before Klopp came in they were shit for so long how does that happen like if anfield was this mad fortress yeah then they just they'd be they they would have been cleaning up trophies for years it's just it's not it's not that thing and i'm a bit bored with the the sort of the hype and the you know, pomp and circumstance that comes along with any trip to Anfield. It's, yeah.
2: I, I've got to Can say, I just come I could, back Can I yeah, very quickly yeah. on that point? Uh, we should bear in mind the possibility that if it hadn't been for the Anfield crowd, Liverpool would have been finishing 14th instead of 8th through those <laughs> long Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: Possibly. Uh,
2: and, and the, you know, their home record is a, is a matter of kind of cold hard numbers. Um,
0: and eight that's eight not just before,
2: yeah, not just in the in the Klopp era, but before that as well. Well, it's the type so of yeah.
0: football that Klopp plays. It's it, it's kind of you know it's all energy and passion, and that feeds yeah. directly into the crowd. So one kind of bounces off the other. So yeah. One, and the one the, the, them, the uh, other thing, I, I think if, if there'd been an Anfield
2: crowd there in their last two games, uh, they might well have dragged themselves. They, they'd have got another one of those bundled messy yes. goalkeeper error yes. goals in in, in the ninety third minute that they've been specialising in getting for the last five years. four years. Um, and, and the absence of a crowd there, just, it, it takes away that little bit of you know, 110% energy that they find in the, in the mm. dying few minutes, which has got them through so often in the last few years and has now abandoned them.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm loath to say so. You know my feelings about Liverpool, um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the result against Barcelona, for example, that wouldn't have happened in an empty no, stadium. It just no, weird. no chance. Uh, but at least, yeah, this weekend, our our team bus can just turn up and give yeah, a bus. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
0: Harry, score prediction. Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm going nil nil. I can I'm with you, mate. I can see it going right like early in the season. I think a draw actually suits City and Liverpool would take a draw. Um a yeah. score prediction? Um
2: one 0 city. Fair enough. Ali? Yeah, I said earlier I think the most likely result is nil 0 or, or one 0 city, but uh, I think we should bear on just cling on to the, the possibility that we absolutely batter them because be <laughs> oh, love that. I
3: love yeah. that Yes, uh, <laughs>
2: I'm, r- I'm not saying it's going to happen and please uh, if you're listening God speak forever please you'll look brilliant if it happens that happen. that yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Right. Um, <laughs> exactly uh, no I, I think um, probably you can you can rank the the most likely outcomes as nil nil followed by one nil followed by well, no, four nil well nil four you know and, and wow. probably nothing in between.
0: Well, I'm going for two one for City, which makes it sound like a decent game, but I don't think it will be a decent game. I think it's <laughs> yeah. very tight and, and with few chances. Um okay, let's move on to questions from Twitter this week. Um last Wednesday we went for a few, but it was so many. we inundated, and thank you so much for sending them. So there's some crackers that we just couldn't get around to um to doing. So let's start with uh, Merlin's Wand on Twitter um who wants to take this harry open to you mate do you think sergio will leave in the summer
3: (laughs) oh you had to give me this one didn't you like sergio is my complete hero and you know what i've got this horrible feeling i don't know about you lot that he'll end up at barcelona with messi rather than messi coming here oh man that's a horrible (laughs) thought no just just from recent weeks there's been kind of murmurs about barcelona and if messi stays and you know aguero and him are best pals and he convinces him are they both going to play for
1: free <laughs> 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 that's true. very true yeah I didn't even think about that to be honest they are skint aren't they yeah. um, it's not uh, it, it, it's I mean yeah that's but in all really honest feasible. we
3: We've, we've seen how much a, a player's kind of farm can turn around. I mean, John Stones is kind of a prime example. He was out the door in the summer and now he's he's one of our best players this season. Um, so if he comes back into the team and say swans is re- Maybe not swans it, Maybe the, the next game that is realistic for him and he scores and then he scores again, the conversation quickly shifts to, you know, will, does, is he deserving of a new contract? At the moment, yeah. look, I'm biased. He's my hero. I've said in the past, I'd wheel him out when he's 80. But would the club put up with the current situation realistically? No, no chance.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky one. And, and there's no kind of definitive answer. And it comes down to really, you know, your instincts. And your instincts are, please, Sergio, don't go ever. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> please. Um, Ace, any kind of different opinion to that? Or do you go along with that?
1: Um, no, nah, my opinion's very different. You know me, Steve. <laughs> um, I'm not... I feel as though you can't have Messi and Aguero... In the same squad, in the same team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think from a, I think from a wages point of view, I think from an age profile point of view, I think it's one or the other. Um, and I'd really like to sign Leo Messi this summer. So for <laughs> me, if it's a case of well, Aguero, we thank him for for his service, and and off he goes on a free transfer, and he can, you know, go and sign a massive contract wherever he wants. That's fine by me. Uh, if the other side of that. Is Messi coming in the door? But if for whatever reason they're not doing Messi, then it's a no brainer to give Aguero a new contract. Exactly. Even if he's not, you know, even if it takes him the rest of this season to get himself fit, it doesn't matter. I think that my point is you need one guy like that with that sort of experience and quality. And, you know, Aguero is, is, is absolutely world-class and our best striker. So I'm not trying to force him out the door. It's just a Messi-Aguero thing. I'll take Messi, but if Messi's not happening, then yeah, give Aguero a new contract. Okay,
0: let's move on to Louis Zagny, Um Who has been the most important player for City so far this season for you, Ali? Uh, Diash, no question at all. Uh,
2: the way he changed everything when he came in. Uh, I mean, you can. there are so many players that played so well. I mean, Gundogan over the last... Uh, for six weeks has been incredible, um, and I mean, I, I, uh, I was chatting to someone on Twitter a week or two ago. Uh, I think we shouldn't underestimate just how important Ferran Torres was in the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, good uh, so. When he came in and held our front line together, um, it, it, he didn't just a sensational job. And, and I think it kind of feels such a long time ago now, back in September. We kind of forget that. Um, but no, a, a lot of players have stepped up and, and done their bit here and there. But Diaz just completely changed. Everything at our club when he came in, um, including I think uh, largely accounting for for John Stones' performances alongside him. Uh, so I'd, it's really hard to look anywhere beyond that on that question.
0: Okay. Um, the second part of the question, I'll throw over to both Harry and, and Ozan. Um Harry, what's your expectations for the second half of the season regarding City?
3: Um, wow, uh, we're still in still in all four competitions. I think the Carabao Cup is just going to be a one-off game, and it? it's it's completely out yes, of the way now. Exactly, it's not like you yeah. know what I liked about the Carabao Cup is that we kind of got it out of the way in February, and it was a nice little boost, you know, a nice little day out at Wembley. But now it's kind of out of the way. It feels like it's kind of like where the FA Cup semi-final should be. So that is going to be a one-off game. The FA Cup, honestly, I think we'll struggle a lot against Swansea uh, uh, next week because uh, we I've, we? I've, oh, I've watched a lot. I've watched a lot of Championship yeah. football, and at the moment they're playing really, really well. Yeah. Um. Honestly, we've got, we've got in ourselves into a position now that we haven't done in the past, where we're going into these big games with the ability to build a lead rather than cut a lead. So we've put ourselves in a great position to build a significant lead over the nearest rivals. Uh, and then the Champions League, just it's just a, a roll of a dice. Uh, you have no idea what's going to happen with City in that Munch and Gladbach are flying in the Bundesliga, so that's not going to be that's going to be a tricky one and. At the time it is, how it's squeezed in between everything, it's kind of a roll of the dice, what Pep decides to play, who's fit and available at the time. But I have got honestly, at the moment we've got I've got every confidence that we can go and win a couple of trophies. What the trophies are, I'd edge towards maybe maybe a league and one of the cups. But I, I did say at the start of the season I would love us to progress further in the Champions League. Well I'll kind of
0: pass it over to ASAN.
3: Um as regards to your expectations for this season,
0: um, obviously you're, you're hoping that City win the league. You're hoping that we win a domestic cup. How important is it to you that we really progress and really make a mark in the Champions League this year?
1: Um, I mean, you know, I'm, it's important that we try and do better than we've done in the last few years. But I'm a I'm a Premier League is is bread and butter kind of guy. Same so here. yeah, my my focus right now is very much on beating Liverpool on Sunday and getting ourselves into a position where at the end of this run of difficult Premier League fixtures, we've more or less got one hand on the title. So I'm looking at, you know, Liverpool, Spurs, Everton, United. Have I missed a Premier League game in there? Arsenal. Arsenal, Arsenal. yeah. There was one more, right? So those five Premier League games, I'm looking at those five and going, you know what, City, win all of those and you've more or less won the title at the start of March. Um, and I think that that's got to be the focus right now. And I think particularly because we've come from so deep, because we've come from a position where people were having conversations in the city bubble about whether the city will finish in the top four in early December. So to get from there eight weeks later to feeling like we're good, well in the title race and, our favourites. I think from here, I want to get that nailed down. Yeah, fair enough. I I would
0: go as far as say, that. sorry, um, 10 points from 15 from those five games, 10 from 15. We we, We're not home and dry, but as you said, we'll have one hand on a a trophy. Um, Mm. Sorry, sorry, are you going to
2: say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think we should be really careful and assuming that where we are now is where we will continue to be for the, uh, 15 games still to come, um, because this season has taken so many weird turns in all kinds of ways uh, right from the beginning. Um, it, it, while we could go on a, a five, six, we, we were all forgetting about the West Ham game at the end of fe- February in there, I think with six games coming up before the uh, United Derby, um, the if we win those six games, uh, we are absolutely there, but we could lose against Liverpool on Sunday, our confidence takes a drop, and then bang, 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 before we know it, we've lost you know three games in out of five um that could happen just as easily as it did in in september um you know our our form could turn just as liverpool's hmm. form turned um we could have a COVID outbreak next week that takes out our entire defense everything can change we are still in a really weird season um and we have by no means i think uh, settled down into into the pattern for the rest of it um all the other teams around us could collapse Completely, um, Leicester could go and a you know a, a win and run. You know, anything can happen, um, and I would be qu- much happier having this conversation after the uh, after the Derby and whenever seventh of March, whenever it is, because then I think we will have a much clearer idea of how the season is mapping out. But right now, I would be very, very, very reluctant to make any predictions. Well, I, I think, think that-
1: we're I think we're on two solid foundations to talk about collapses.
0: I've <laughs> on, yeah. no, we're very, city
2: if,
1: um, we're we're the city, city that got 198 points in two seasons under Guardiola I think we should be a, I appreciate that there's a, a, a sense of um, what's the word, like we have to be calm about this and we have to take each game as it comes without question but I'm not afraid of a collapse, really not afraid of a collapse, I'm not afraid of covid outbreaks a different thing we we can't control that that's in the hands of the gods but i think that what sets us apart right now from everybody else in the top 6 is that we are more than the sum of our parts we're not a team built on one guy or on two guys we're not a team built on a system that relies on one guy or two guys we currently look like a team in the purest sense And for that reason, I think, you know, we can begin to look at this block of games and go, we can get through it. And I totally take your point, Ali, that losing on Sunday absolutely would be a dent in the confidence. But I also believe that there isn't the collapse that we've seen in this city side because of the defense that we've got. And because of that, without a collapse, even if there's a setback, they'll just move forward in the next game. I think, yeah, like what I love about what I've seen in the last six weeks, eight weeks, you can see it's game by game and you can see that the approach to every game is today is the most important game and we just need to win it. And I feel there's a ruthlessness inside of that that's just really, really, really impressive and is not something that is a flash in the pan or something that feels like, oh, we've got this guy who's suddenly in amazing form, but it might dip. It's a collective thing.
0: Yeah. Can I
2: just quickly come back on that? Because I remember uh, having a conversation with you, Ethan, round about the end of November, beginning of December, probably. I think it was shortly after the um, uh, Tottenham game that mm. you know, we just lost 2-0. And we were talking about what had gone wrong with City. And both of us were agreeing that it was about tiny margins, it was about uh players missing uh from three yards out when they're you know and from an open goal. Um, it was about uh oppositions nicking a, a last minute worldie or, or whatever and uh and, and taking two points off us. Uh, and over recent games, um Je- Jesus has kept his head and calmly tapped home a couple of uh, <laughs> you know, three-yard goals that he could easily have snatched at and hit over the bar. Um, a flick for Sheffield United uh, whacked a, a volley, which made me drop a fat one um, in, in the 88th minute. That could yeah. easily have whizzed in off the inside of the post instead of whizzing past the outside of the post. And suddenly you're talking about games that we should have won. We've lost our or, or drop points on again. Um, and the margins between where we are now when things are going fantastically and where we were at the beginning of December when things were going appallingly are minuscule, tiny little margins here and there, tiny little... Just, it often just luck or a twist of fate going this way or that way, um, and it can be the difference between winning and losing. Um, so I'm not. Uh, I I don't feel indestructible at the moment. Um, mm. I don't feel like City's form is so far ahead of where it was when we were losing games that it can't change back again. Um, and it would only take a little bit of a dip and a change in a change in the the rubber, the green. Um, and suddenly things are going badly again. So uh, yeah, I, I I really want to believe, and it's my natural pessimism that's keeping inju- injecting a note of caution into all of this. Um, but I just I think we're not there yet. And it's, I'll I'll repeat again. Ask me again after the Derby at the beginning of March, uh, and then I'll I'll uh, issue proclamations for the rest of the season with some kind of confidence.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's why I laughed earlier, um, Ali, when you you were saying that because. Um, you're a your real rollercoaster today. I mean, ten minutes. Ago, I sitting, <laughs> you were saying you are going to batter Liverpool. <laughs> I, I, I am a veritable hot take machine, Steve. know <laughs> yeah. just sit, sitting here providing you with content. I, I do uh, mostly agree with um, Aysan and that from that discussion. Um, as regard, I can't see us collapsing in any way, shape, or form. I do believe that the manner of a defeat, should it come on at, against Liverpool, that is absolutely key because if we lose one yes. 0 Then our defence are putting so much stock into basically going through this season, you know, with with accumulating records and stats that are astound. If we lose 4 0, that could really dent the confidence of Stones and and Diaz uh, just for two. Um, I think that could be costly. But yeah, I think, you know, I'd take a a defeat this Sunday, but the manner of a defeat is very, very important for me. We
1: don't want to be kind of blown away as we have been in the past. Mm. Um, Steve, sorry, I know that I keep jumping in, just another little thing I think that when, just to go back to what Ali was saying, so firstly we've only lost two games this season um, which it speaks volumes actually about how good we've been, that's the first thing I think the second thing is that I think when Ali references November December, November going into December and why were we so bad I actually think that we were a little bit conditioned by the performance rather than the result because if you've only lost two games of football and it's february you're having a very 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 good season full stop so i think what happened particularly in that middle part or going into autumn going into winter is that we were the results were more or less there post um, Spur, the Spurs defeat, but some of the performances were not what they have been Chelsea onwards. And because the performances yeah. weren't there, I think we all were a little bit apprehensive about what this thing was that was happening because the games were being won, but there wasn't the swashbuckling city of seventeen eighteen, And there was a real sense that we're not really creating anything. We're just kind of getting over the line Um, and I think we've taken a big step forward from there as well so that would be my only counter to Ali's counter and now I'll stop
0: that that, that kind of um, (laughs) leads well into the next question actually because I mean a lot of that has to be attributed of course to Pep Guardiola Um, and perhaps we needed to go through that spell and those performances to get where we are today Um, at trap money city one as asked, uh, this is for you Harry, should Pep be given more credit for backing himself and signing a new two-year deal right in the middle of arguably his worst period at City?
3: Yes, 100 million percent. Yeah. Um, I was one of the many, and I'm uh, sure, I don't know what yous, like were like uh, around the start of the season that doubted whether kind of Pep had a, the motivation maybe to carry on, and understandably, I mean, we've all had a rubbish year, but Pep in particular has had a horrible year, you know, losing his mum and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, who'd kind of want to carry on? I know I wouldn't kind of had the strength that he's had. But he's he's sort of started again. He's built a solid base from the back, which is pretty much unlike Pep in recent years. So it's shown he can he can kind of adapt. Um the players are getting a lot of praise, um, and kind of rightly so. But I think we're kind of, some fans are underselling kind of the mental strength it, it's took for Pep at a time like this to first of all sign a contract uh, to commit himself here. It's longer than he ever has done, including his, you know, his boyhood club in Barcelona uh, and turn around a squad we thought at the time would not compete anywhere to the levels that it's competing at now.
0: Okay, yeah, I completely agree. Um, there was a second part of a question from uh, Louis
3: Zangley earlier,
0: and I'm determined to get to it, and I want each of you to answer. Uh, just stay with you, Harry, which meal
3: do you like having before a big game? I can't eat, otherwise I will be sick. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Ali, what about you? It, it's really hard this season
2: because the matches kick off yes. at such weird times Absolutely. of days that uh, 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 my, my uh, dietary habits have gone out the window. <laughs> um, but and the other thing is, I, uh, I I do most of the cooking for our, our household for two kids and my wife, um, and so I'm having to to schedule meal times around half time. But I did play in, I played an absolute blinder on Wednesday because most difficult ones. Speaking of a, like a, a, a cooking dad. Um, The the six o'clock to eight o'clock games are a nightmare for tea time. Uh, So what I did is uh, we had, I made some curries last weekend. I I made enough for two complete meals, froze them after we'd finished. And then on Wednesday, I used half time to cook some rice um, and and defrost some curries. (laughs) And I had my curry with the second half of the match, which was just perfect. If I could do that every time, then uh, then I I, would have nailed I doesn't always
0: work takeaway. out. Um, the six o'clock kickoffs. I mean, I'm now, as soon as I see it, I, I'm excited to see a six o'clock kick I'm excited to be playing uh, Swansea R5 because it's takeaway time. You know,
1: it, <laughs> it,
2: it
3: justifies <laughs> the takeaway.
1: Ace, <laughs> hey, i about yourself. Um, you know what? I love a good brunch before a big game. But nice. I, I tend to, regardless of what time the kickoff is, I mean, normally the biggest games, they're Sunday, half five, where I am when I'm in Europe, half four, you, you guys' time. Yeah. So for those games, m- my thing is always to plan a morning and an early afternoon, which involves going out, doing something he- really healthy in the morning, and then lunch being the beginning of the kind of, Chaotic, indulgent <laughs> afternoon that ends hopefully with a city win in a big game. Yeah, love it. I'm, I'm taking some booze involved as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. none of us are yeah, admitting yeah. to that. Yeah, no, <laughs> that was, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Guilty silence. <laughs> uh, so what we'll say, what I will say about those uh, the the kickoff times jumping around. I like I never know what time of the day I'm going to be starting drinking. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, same here. <laughs> Thankfully,
2: not too many midday kickoffs. Before.
0: I don't have any longevity when it comes to drinking, so it is a problem yeah. for me, that, yeah. <laughs> That's the only yeah. thing that gets me through the Manchester derby, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, final question um, each of you to answer. Uh, after we didn't uh, sign Dzeko, which ex-City player... This is from Ross Wiggins, by the way. After we didn't sign Dzeko, which ex-City player would you most like to see coached by Pep in this current squad? Could be a player you think the current squad would benefit from, or just one from pure nostalgia.
3: Harry, uh, I had to think about this, and I think this is probably more put pure nostalgia, even though he's still playing. I've gone with Steven Island, uh, yeah. And this this answer comes directly from kind of Vinnie's testimonial because I was sat there, and you know it was a nice seat, and there was you know some of the United kind of legends on there. There was David silver Sergio grail but Steven Island was fantastic. <laughs> He was just strutting around like he was 21 years old. He was fantastic. Um, he probably could have played in silver's position. He's bald, so that kind of uh, makes up for it as well. Um, he's got fantastic technical quality. I think Pet would have completely loved him in that position. Uh, he's in America at the moment, so I'm saying getting back on a six-month loan deal. Well, I've got to say that, on that testimony, I'm not
0: taking anything away from Stephen Island, but I think there's a huge discrepancies in, in quality from those players. And I think a lot of it came down to fitness levels, didn't
3: it? it was, yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. like
0: Shawnee, actually, he would be my choice for this, Shawnee, Shawnee Wright-Phillips. I would have loved to see coach coached by Pep. But um, yeah, Shawnee didn't have a best game, did he? But he was like knackered. Yeah. <laughs> second, <laughs> second minute in, he was shattered. Um, Ali, what player would you like to see, kind of former City player, uh, coached by Pep? I say when uh, I saw this question on the schedule,
2: I, I had a kind of vision popped into my head of of Pep and Cheeky as like Bill and Ted in the phone box, like going back <laughs> through the ages and putting together a city team from uh yeah. I mean, my, my, uh, my city history knowledge is not great. I can probably go back about as far as Bert Troutman. <laughs> and work our way forward and collect uh, Colin Bell and, and Neil Young and various others along the way, maybe Ava Hartford up front as a Scotsman. Um, but uh, to, if we can only if we can only get one into our phone box, then it's got to be Kinky. Could you imagine, George, Kinkladzi getting coached by
0: Pep? And, Would he have buckled down? Team? No, that's a problem with Ke- I, I, I can't imagine him, even under Pep, I can't imagine him buckling down. He's so individualistic.
2: Aye, it's true. But if I he did... did it, it, oh.
0: what a player yes um asap what player would you like to see coached by pep um
1: i've gone for two to be honest uh uh, michael johnson because i just think that he had so much ability Mm. that had somebody like guardiola been the coach maybe i don't know i mean you know you, you never know with that kid whether in the end he just didn't love football enough um whether it was the injuries or whether it was something in his head. But yeah, uh, Michael Johnson will be the first one. And the second one gets a bit more recent would be Tevez. I I just think that Carlos would have been, you know, it would have been an interesting combination, Pep and Tevez, because, you know, Tevez on the pitch was exactly the sort of warrior that, that pep would love but he was also incredibly idiosyncratic and a little bit of a headache um and so that would have been an interesting one but i just i get the feeling that if you look at tevez's goal record for city under the managers that he played under wow a a peak tevez under guardiola would have been somewhere else
0: yeah my, my brother um match goer since the early 80s old enough to kind of remember the tail end of kind of Colin Bell's era and he insists that Carlos Tevez, even over David and all the others, he insists that Carlos Tevez is the best player you've seen in this City shirt. Absolutely loves Tevez. And and yeah, I I go along with it to an extent and he would have thrived under Pep, I agree. Right, that's the time to wrap it up. I've really enjoyed today and and, um, thank you very much for joining me, Aksan. Pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ali. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Harry, mate. Yeah, pleasure as always, mate. And thank you to listeners for listening in. As always, please check out the other great content across the 9320 platform, and we'll see you on the other side of Anfield. In the meantime, take care, everyone, and forever up the blues.